mind. I'm going to bring you, see, we're getting close to Easter. And the closer we get to the Resurrection Sunday, the more we ought to be thinking and preaching and, and about the cross and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to preach that to you this morning. And I'm going to do my best to, to preach a seven or eight point message here as quick as I possibly can on the cleansing of the blood. Hebrews chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 22. We're going to read one verse now, and so hold your place there because we're going to finish with some more verses later on. A very basic message for us who have been saved for many years, but a message that is still very much needed, a biblical message that we're going to look at entitled, The Cleansing of the Blood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Hebrews 9.22, I still hear pages. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Let's repeat that. I'm going to repeat it several times in the message with about eight points. Without shedding of blood is no remission. Father, we're grateful for the day. I pray, Father, today that Christ would be glorified. I pray you'd get me out of the way, my ministry out of the way. Lord, I just pray that Jesus Christ would shine forth. Speak to our hearts, and I pray this morning that you'd save that one that's lost, that is not under the blood of Christ. I pray, Father, this morning they'd be convicted of their sin, realize they're headed to a devil's hell, and they would come to Jesus and plead the blood for their sin. Lord, would you give us some glory this morning and help us to rejoice in what you have done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Boy, I tell you now, you might as well just go ahead and engage in this message because I'm not going to let you disengage. Here we go. If there is one thing that the devil hates today, it's the preaching of the blood of Jesus Christ. He hates the blood of Christ. He hates the doctrine of the blood. He hates the preaching of the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. He opposes the doctrine. The devil says, listen, he says there are other ways to heaven. Why you don't want to go through that bloody religion, you don't want to go through that bloody preaching, that bloody Bible D.L. Moody said anywhere you cut the Bible slice the Bible, it bleeds and may I say dear friend, that's the basis of the remission of sins is the shedding of blood and that blood that was shed, that perfect blood that was shed was shed on the cross of Calvary for me and you. Amen. Hey, praise God. Napoleon was discussing with his generals. Napoleon had conquered the known world and he was discussing a strategy with his generals and he had a map on the wall and that, in that map the British Isles were painted in red and he had not conquered the British Isles and Napoleon looked at that map and told his generals if it were not for that red spot I would have conquered the world. Let me tell you something about the devil. The devil looks at the map of the globe and says if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ I could conquer the world but friend I'm glad this morning that the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin praise God and the devil can't have the world until the blood bought her out of here praise God we ought to be shouting on that one I believe listen I believe 
in the blood, the preaching of the blood of Jesus Christ. The last time I preached on the blood, it was a message called the chemistry of the blood. Today's the cleansing of the blood. We may do another series later on. And so M.R. Dahan preached a message called the chemistry of the blood. He preached that the blood was necessary for the remission of sin. And a woman wrote to him and said this, uh, if you want to be an effective preacher, you need to leave that blood stuff out. And D.L., not D.L. Moody, but M.R. DeHaan said this. He said, uh, I'm going to preach the blood. I'm more determined than ever to preach the blood of Jesus Christ. The rest is history. You can go and see Moody Institute there, and, uh, or M.R. DeHaan. And, and uh, then as we move on, uh, I think of, of Billy Graham. Billy Graham's ministry was rising, and somebody came to Billy Graham and said, Billy Graham, you're a talented speaker. You're a good preacher. But he said, uh, if you need, in this enlightened age of the 20th century, you need to get away from the preaching of the blood. Well, let me tell you something. As far as I know, Billy Graham never did deny the preaching of the blood of Jesus Christ and won millions to Christ. Thank God he preached that the blood was necessary for the forgiveness of sin. They call it today, the moderates and the liberals call what we believe today a slaughterhouse religion. They say that we're undignified, that we're uncultured, that we're unrefined. But you let me tell you something, friend. Uh, I'm washed in the blood. It took the blood to save me. It took the blood to cleanse me. It took the blood to make me whole. It takes the blood to get you to heaven. Uh, and I'm going to preach the blood for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank God. Oh, as we look in a few weeks toward the cross of Calvary and toward the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I pray God would seal this message home uh, to our hearts. The blood of Christ. Uh, oh, let me tell you something. I want you to think about this. Uh, when the blood of Jesus Christ flowed in his veins while he was alive, while he walked on the earth, uh, while that blood was in his veins, uh, he had the power to heal. He had the power to preach. Uh, he had the power to save. He had the power to cast out demons uh, but that was while he lived uh, let me tell you something friend uh, if that blood had not been shed on the cross of Calvary he couldn't have done one thing for me and you that blood had to be shed for the future sins uh, that blood had to be shed and spilled on the crimson red blood drift slopes of Calvary for me and you. Thank God. God didn't say blood in the veins is will remit sins. He said the shedding of blood is what remits sins. Thank God our Savior shed his precious blood that you and I might be saved. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What a blessing it is to be washed in the blood. Oh, if his blood would have stayed in his veins, he could have had a ministry to the Jews, but he couldn't have had a ministry to the world. He could have had a ministry locally, but he couldn't have had a ministry for the future. Thank God. Jesus Christ said about the shedding of his blood, he said, I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take it up again. And I'm telling you, friend, he laid his life down for me and you, but he took it up again placed his blood on the altar in heaven and you and I can be eternally safe, secure, sound and sealed, saved for all of eternity. I'm getting excited. Amen. Praise God. 
I'm glad to report to you I'm washed in the blood. I'll step into eternity depending upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like what old brother Mays used to say. He was my buddy. I took him back and forth to the airport when he flew in here. And, and old brother Mays used to get in the pulpit and he said, I've got all my baskets hanging on one nail and that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say amen. I'm going to give you eight things as quick as I possibly can. There's the prophet. I want you to write these down. What an outline this would make for you in a Sunday school. The prophecy of the blood. The prophecy. We're going to go back and begin at the before the foundation of the world. The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the core and the mantle and the crust were there. Before the topsoil came and the trees and the streams and the birds. Uh, before the foundation of the world, the lamb of God was slain for me and you. God knew when he created man that man would fail and he would need to be redeemed. Peter tells us in 1 Peter that Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. John tells us in Revelation 13 that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. You hear me, God's plan for planet earth was to be washed in the blood of his only begotten son. That was God's plan. That was the prophecy. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Number two, there's the prophecy of the blood. There's the principle of the blood. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Boy, we're going to drive this home about five or six points and, and then finish up. Listen, there, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Oh, what, how they knew once their innocence was gone that they were naked. And they began to sew fig leaves together. And the Bible says they made themselves... Uh, aprons of fig leaves and I can just imagine as they, Eve sewed all these, stitched all these things together and she looked at Adam real sweetly and said, you know, you look good in green, but hey, you hear me, they were clothed with fig leaves sewn together, just an apron. Now, and listen, they tried to cover their nakedness, but the Bible says they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day and the Bible goes one step further and says they hid themselves. Not even Adam and Eve believe that their own works, their own fig leaves, their own aprons, their own covering would hide their nakedness before God. And Adam looks at Eve and he says, Eve, I know that I look good in green and these fig leaves are covering up a little bit, but I hear God coming and I still feel naked. Somebody say amen. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, your works won't get you to heaven. Your fig leaves won't get you to heaven. Your aprons won't get you to heaven. It'll take the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, and so they, they hear God coming. And, and Adam says, I think we better hide in the trees. Let me tell you something. They couldn't hide from God. And when God found them, I, he said, wait a minute, that won't do. Them fig leaves ain't covered enough. Uh, I'm going to have to cover you in the blood. And he goes out and God, God, God shed the first blood that had ever been shed in all of eternity. And he goes out and I believe he killed a little lamb, an innocent little lamb, and skint that thing out. Yes, sir. God was skinned out and he brought it back and covered Adam and Eve in the blood. You hear me, friend? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. The innocent had to suffer for the guilty. Number three, I've got to hurt. 
hurry. Not only is there a prophecy of the blood, first P. Second P, there's a principle of the blood. Third P, there's perfection in the blood. You turn a few chapters after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. They had two children. They had Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that these two boys brought of their offerings before God. And Cain brought the fruit of the ground. Had a beautiful garden. Boy, ain't nothing I like better than a beautiful garden. Seeing green beans and corn and taters. I like to raise them. I like to can them. I like to see them. I like to eat them with, with cornbread. Amen. But Cain brought of that offering. And Abel brings, he goes out and picks a little lamb of his flock. And slaughters that thing and brings the blood before God. And when God comes along, he looks at their offering. And the Bible says he had respect to Abel and his offering. Why? Because he offered the right sacrifice. Somebody say amen. He offered the right sacrifice. He had to follow the example set in the Garden of Eden. You say, well, what did God say to Cain? Cain offered them fruits. God looked at him and said, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Somebody say amen. And, and listen, if you were at the county fair... And, and these boys brought in their offerings uh, and you looked at Cain's offering, you'd say, boy, that's beautiful. We're going to give that one the blue ribbon. And God would look at it and say, that is not acceptable. It takes the blood. Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, listen, there's perfection by the blood. And now I want you to see something. The blood is perpetual. That means it's everlasting. We're going to fast forward from Adam and Eve and from Abel and we're going to come to a man named Noah. Now, I want you to think about this. I have some things in this I hadn't thought about before. Noah, the Bible says, was a preacher of righteousness. And Noah had to build an ark. And Noah had to go through the flood. And Noah got his eight family members in and they sailed through the flood waters. And they came out on the other side. Now you hear me, Noah stepped out of that ark the first man on planet earth again. Now you ever thought about that? I mean, he steps out, he could have rewritten history if he wanted to, couldn't he? There was nobody there to say, Noah, that ain't right. I mean, he could have rewritten the Bible. He could have rewritten history. Noah could have said anything he wanted to say. Noah could have started over fresh and new. But you know what the Bible says? That Noah opened the door of the ark and he walked down the gangplank and the first thing he did, he took an animal and he sacrificed it on the altar. He began to shed blood again. Are you listening? He didn't start over. He went right back to the principle that God had stated. No, he did not make up his own rules. He did not start a new world order. The Bible told Noah, Noah didn't just take two of every animal. The Bible says that God, that God told Noah to take seven of the clean animals. So there were two of the unclean animals, seven of the clean animals. You know why? Because there needed to be a sacrifice. There needed to be blood shed. The same thing that God taught Adam, the same thing that God taught Abel, the same, is the same thing that God taught Noah. Now, here's the fifth 
The, there's the precept of the blood. We're moving good. Here's the precept of the blood. The next person we come to is this man named Abraham. And Abraham had a son named Isaac. And for some reason, God wanted to test Abraham and test his love and test his faithfulness. No wonder if Abraham is called the father of the faithful. God said to Abraham, Abraham, you take your only son. You go up yonder to Mount Moriah. By the way, that's the same place where the cross is at. He said, you go up yonder to Mount Moriah and you sacrifice your only son. And boy, I tell you, Abraham loaded the firewood down and he got the knife sharp and he headed up to Mount Moriah. And he told them boys as he left his servants behind, he said, me and the lad are going to go yonder and worship and we're going to come again. And the Bible says that Abraham had the faith to believe in the book of Hebrews that Abraham had the faith that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he stuck a knife in him. Oh, you hear me. Abraham takes Isaac up there on top of Mount Moriah and he fixes the altar. He lays the wood in place. He puts his only son on the altar, raises his knife, and an angel says, Abraham, Abraham, stay thy hand and touch no harm not the lad. And the angel says over yonder, Abraham in a thick it caught is a ram you go get that ram and you get Isaac off of that altar and you put that ram on there you know what God was doing God was looking forward to a time when he'd have to send oh you hear me his only begotten son the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for my sin we ought to be shouting glory this morning Thank God there's power in the blood. Oh, listen, the Bible says the fruit of, the, fruit of our womb cannot be given for the sin of your soul. Let me say that again. The fruit of the womb cannot be given for the sin of your soul. Hey, friend, the devil will tell you to sacrifice your children, but God said you don't have to sacrifice your child. I've already sacrificed mine, and his blood is good for the sins of the world. Praise God. Then we come to the sixth P, and that's the Passover. We close the book of Genesis and open the book of Exodus. God was going to deliver the Israelites down there in bondage. They were held in bondage down in Egypt. And God was going to deliver them. And he tells them, I want you to do something. I'm going to send the last plague, the tenth plague, on the nation of Egypt. And I want you to take the blood, slay that lamb. And I want you to take that blood and I want you to strike it on the doorposts and the lentils of your house because the death angel is going to come through the land of Egypt and if he doesn't see the blood applied to the doorpost and the lintel, he's going to come through and slay the firstborn of every home. Boy, don't you know them old Israelites, they went out and they said, oh, the death angel's coming. We need to get under the blood. Abel got under the blood. Uh, Adam got under the blood. Noah got under the blood. Oh, Abraham got under the blood. But the Israelites said, we need to get there. We're going to have to get under the blood and they, they begin to kill those lambs and to paint that blood oh and the death angel passed through that night and the Egyptians lost what a weeping and a wailing and a crying the next morning when the Egyptians lost their children because they weren't under the blood I tell you today friend you better get your children under the blood of Jesus Christ uh, you better get your grandchildren under the blood of Jesus Christ uh, this world's about to reel and rock like it's 
it's never have before. Jesus is soon coming, friend. Uh, you better get under the blood. Let me ask you something. What if those old Israelites would have said, oh, that ain't good enough, honey. We, we better not put blood above the door. Go in there and get that $100 bill, uh, and we'll place that 100 We'll tack it to the top of the door knob or, the door, or over the mantle. Or, or what if they'd have said, well, go get your jewelry, and we'll put it up there. You say, preacher, you're being silly. I know I'm being silly because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. What if they'd have said, what if he, the old Israelite would have said, sweetheart, I want you to go out there and get that lamb, uh, but I don't want you to kill it. I want you to just bring it in here and we'll just take a rope and tie it to the front porch. That'll be good enough. No, it wasn't good enough. It takes the blood. Without the shedding of blood, uh, there is no remission of sin. Oh, my goodness. My God delivered his people. Boy, this is going to come to a crescendo in just one second. I've got one more example. God told us he delivered those people. Everybody that got under the blood got out of Egypt. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever get under the blood, you'll want to get out of Egypt. Amen. Egypt's a type of the world. You'll want to get out of the, the way this world system works. You'll want to get out of sin. You ever get under the blood, friend, you'll get delivered. Praise God. And the Israelites got under the blood and began to walk with God in the wilderness. But God said one more time to Moses, Moses, I'm going to keep these people under the blood. And he said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to build a tabernacle. And every time you come to worship, you send that, that high priest into worship, you kill a ram and a bullock and you sprinkle him with blood and he can come into the Holy of Holies one time a year on the Day of, of Atonement. If that priest had walked into that tabernacle and into that Holy of Holies without being sprinkled with blood, they would have killed him. You know what they'd do? They'd take the priest out before he went in and they'd strip him down. They'd wash him, son, they'd wash him with borax. Amen. I mean, they'd get him clean. They'd put his garments on. Uh, they'd clothe him up with the most beautiful priestly garments you've ever seen, an ephod and a crown on the ephod. And then you know what they'd do? They'd sprinkle all that with blood. How'd you like to come to church? Put your best on on Sunday morning and then go out and come in here sprinkled with blood. My goodness. Hey, we better have it in our hearts. No matter what's on our back, no matter what's covering our chest, we better have the blood in our hearts. Amen. And so this, this uh, priest would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement, and he would offer the blood for the sins of the people. You know what he'd do? Oh, I like this. Uh, when he got out of the Holy of Holies, he'd come back through the veil. I mean, he'd go in the veil where God was on that on that, uh, uh, the Bible says, a seat of propitiation in there, and he'd come back out of the Holy of Holies, and he'd open the veil, and he'd come back, and he'd raise up both hands, and he'd say, it is finished. Uh, the blood is applied. Uh, thank God one day uh, the Lord Jesus Christ bowed his head on the cross of Calvary, and one of the last things he uttered on this earth was, it is finished. Uh, the plan of salvation is through. Uh, the blood has been shed. Hey, friend, let me tell you something. Uh, freely that blood was shed. Freely it can be given. Freely it can cleanse you from sin. Uh, thank God for the blood. 
Praise God. I'm enjoying this. I don't know about y'all. Oh, listen, the propitiation. Wow, we've seen all these peas, and I want to bring you to the last one because i got to close the message. The last one, the last three have been the precept, the Passover, the propitiation. Abel's under the blood. Adam's under the blood. Abraham's under the blood. Noah's under the blood. Moses is under the blood. The children of Israel are under the blood. Now the last P, we're going to come to a person. And I've been giving you some hints all the way through here about this person. But when we fast forward to the New Testament, a person is going to... I want you to just hang on for just a minute because I'm closing the message. A person. We've come to the New Testament and the first person that walks out is a man named John the Baptist. He's out, John, preaching in the wilderness. He has a stone for a pulpit. He has a babbling brook for a choir. But he's got the Spirit of God on him. God didn't go back to the temple. That temple had become a place of religion. God hates religion. And so God goes out and he puts his spirit on an old boy preaching out by the creek. I'm glad he does that every once in a while. Amen. And so, and so we fast forward to the New Testament and there's old John the Baptist. He's preaching. He's an old rough preacher, highly favored by God. He was favored over the priests in the temple. His little old stone pulpit and his little old creek was favored over the big cathedral Hey, friend, uh, God put his spirit on John the Baptist. Now, here's what I want you to see. When John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus Christ coming to be baptized, uh, he looked and he told the Israelites, there were thousands that came to his baptism, and when he said this, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And he looked and he said, Behold, uh, he pointed at Jesus, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They knew, don't you miss this, uh, the whole crowd knew what he was talking about when he said Jesus Christ would now be the Lamb of God that would be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. They knew very well the story of Adam. They knew very well the story of Abel and Abraham and Noah. They knew very well that David had offered sacrifices and all the Old Testament prophets. They, their mind, just like I've conditioned your mind, this morning to realize without the shedding of blood there's no remission, amen their mind had been conditioned without the shedding of blood hey listen when old John the Baptist pointed and said behold the Lamb of God they knew exactly what he was talking about <laughs> mind conditioning, amen you say preacher that's brainwashing hey wash me in the blood let it get in my mind, my heart and everywhere else, praise God Old Pavlov, what, that Russian, Russian scientist, Pavlov, he studied, uh, he studied mind conditioning. And he, uh, he had some dogs. And every time he'd want to feed them dogs, he'd ring a bell. And the dogs would come. He'd ring a bell and the dogs would come. You know what he's doing? He's conditioning their mind. But then all of a sudden, he began to go further and deeper into his study. And he found out that after a while, he could just ring the bell and the dogs would begin to slobber and salivate because they were hungry. What are you talking about mind conditioning? You hear me? God had conditioned the minds 
of the Israelites to know that when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb, they knew exactly who Jesus was. God help us. Oh, the day had come that God would be sending His only begotten Son. The Bible says for, that He would be made sin for us, for He hath made Him, who? Christ, to, to be made sin for us, that we, through His righteousness, amen, uh, we have His righteousness in exchange for our sin. i got to close. The completion of Adam's close is the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll show you that from the Bible. Let's go ahead and just look at it. Let's look down here at verse number 15. Verse 15. Watch this. Boy, this is so deep. I don't even have time to mind this now. This will take a whole other message. Verse 15 of Hebrews 9. And for this cause, he, who? Jesus. Is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. That's the Old Testament if you want to write in your Bible. That they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, uh, he was shedding his blood for the remission of sins of everybody in the world at that time. But everybody in the world that had ever lived from Adam to Christ... Their sins were rolled onto Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we just read? For the remission of sins from the first testament. That first testament with all that blood looked forward to Christ. And now we don't look forward to Christ. We look backward to Christ because our sins were rolled back. Praise God. And placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm about to get happy. My sins are gone. I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to suffer the condemnation of God. I can have joy in my heart. Hope in my soul. There's a future friend. Uh, I've got a family. I've got blessings uh, all because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Oh, Adam's clothes would be found in Christ. Uh, Abel's sacrifice would be was looking forward to Jesus. Now you know why God wouldn't take them turnips. Amen. Uh, and so Moses looked forward to Christ and David looked forward to Christ and the Old Testament prophets looked forward to Christ uh, and Abraham wasn't allowed to give his son but God gave his only begotten to die for me and you. I say praise God. Let me tell you something, friend. I'll never get tired of hearing the gospel message of how Jesus died for me. I'll never get tired of hearing how Christ came and shed his blood for me. Oh, it's fresh to me every time I hear it. I don't ever want to get old. I don't ever want to get stale. I want to say thank you, God, for your blessings on me. Praise God. Let's stand. I'm through preaching. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. I've preached the blood as hard as I know how to preach it. Here's all I'm going to say. I'm going to have a brief invitation. For those in Egypt who refused to get under the blood, they suffered the condemnation and the damnation of God. For those in Egypt who wouldn't offer the right sacrifice, they suffered the eternal judgment of Almighty God. 
And this morning, I want to say to you in this crowd, if you're not under the blood of Jesus Christ, you're headed for a devil's hell. Your religion won't cover you up. Your good practices won't cover you up. There'll be no clothing for you when you stand before God. Oh, I feel His Spirit. Uh, only the blood will get you into heaven, friend. Without it, you'll suffer the eternal judgment of God in hell. Oh, listen, there's a way you can escape that. There's a way you can be healed. There's a way you can be forgiven. Uh, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're lost, I want to invite you right now to come to Jesus Christ. He's here. He's speaking. His Spirit is working. He's spoken to your heart. He's telling you that preacher's right. You better get under the blood. Judgment's coming. Death is coming. Condemnation's coming. You better get under the blood of Jesus Christ. We wait just a moment, friend. Uh, I've preached the blood as hard as I can. If you refuse it, if you trample on it today, friend, I wouldn't be in your shoes for your socks. Uh, oh, listen to me. The wrath of God that Jesus said he that believeth on me is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already friend I want to invite you to Christ this morning you say, I don't want to come to Christ. Well, you don't, well, you don't, we're not inviting you to Baptist Church. We're not inviting you to baptism. We're not inviting you to take communion with us. We're inviting you this morning to Jesus Christ. Would you come and give your heart and life to Him? Plead His blood for your sin. We're going to sing that song. Don't even raise your head. You know that song. We're going to sing nothing but the blood. Here we go. Keep your head bowed. If you need to be saved, I want you to come on this first stanza and take Brother Brian up here by the hand. And tell him you need to be saved. Dearly Father, Lord, as we bow before you, Lord, what a clear presentation of the gospel we've heard this morning, Lord. Lord, let us not be mistaken that if we choose to walk out of this place without the assurance of our salvation, Lord, and our life were to be taken from us today, Lord, in an eternity in hell, this will play over and over that we had the opportunity to accept you as our Lord and Savior. So, Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that doesn't know for certain that they're saved, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you just arrest that heart, Lord, and draw them unto yourself, Lord. We've heard a clear presentation that there's no other way into heaven except through the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that all of us can have that testimony that we've all made that personal profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We're not dependent upon anything else to take us to heaven except for him, Lord. And Lord, again, if there be one here who can't make that their testimony, don't let them leave this place without getting that settled, Lord. Lord, again, we just thank you and praise you for the opportunity to come and worship you, Lord, and the freedom of your preached word, Lord. I thank you for a church that stands on the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, now bless us as we go our separate ways, Lord. Give us a desire to be back in your house this midweek service and into next week as well. We'll thank you and praise you for all you desire to accomplish in the days ahead of our church and even through today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.